What's up, beautiful people? Welcome back to Unrespectability Politics. I am Alexis. And I am DeAndrea. DeAndrea, hey sis. Hey. How are you feeling today? Oh, it's a long day. Just get me to the primary. (laughs) That is so real. If you all don't know, DeAndrea is also serving as a campaign manager for the education struggle in North Carolina. So she is a very busy woman. Yeah, I I think that right now the state of our education across the nation right now is predicated on what what we feel and how we feel about charter schools Mm. and so i'm glad to be a part of this movement and making sure that we put public schools first and we stop privatizing them because i just no (laughs) i'm not for it amen to that and we will get into privatization and privatization wow i can't even talk today and the influence of capitalism for sure in this show definitely in the (laughs) team but that is such a perfect segue Whew, girl. But at least this week is not as crazy as last week. Still a lot going on. But, you know, we making it every day. Those that are committed to democracy. It's a struggle out here. Right. (laughs) For sure. All right. Well, you want to talk about what's going on in the world today, DeAndrea? Yeah, let's talk about the world. Okay. Let us move to the State of the Union. So, February 11th. We were in the throes of the New Hampshire primary. And guess who came out on top? <laughs> Bernie. 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 <laughs> I know that you Bernie bros are just, you know, graving at the mouth right now. So Bernie was able to clinch two caucuses uh, by small margins. But we yeah. finally got the Iowa caucus uh, numbers back and he was the winner there also the winner in New Hampshire how you feel about that well I so I got a chance um, and we're gonna put a link to where we're finding this information of course I know I always put that plug but I want to remind you so you can find it yourself um, we looked up the results and one thing I noticed of course yeah Bernie came out on top he got 25.7 percent of the vote mm-hmm. yep. and he earned nine get delegates But when I started going down and scrolling down the list, did y'all realize (laughs) that there are so many other candidates that I've never heard of running for president right now? Um, Right. Um, I'm looking at this one person. I'm just a curious person. Raymond Morose. He got nine votes <laughs> during the New Hampshire primary. And so it's made me think about a few different things. One, you know, Lex, working campaigns, they are very expensive. Like That's real. It's it's a whole really it's you're running a business. You're running a business for a year or two to become the president of the United States. And mm-hmm. To the fact that people are running right now, I I am a little biased. I don't think that the 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 crowd it should be this crowded. Um, I agree. It's because it's kind of like yo, there is one person out here campaigning and he only got nine votes. Right. 
Right. So check that out. We'll put the link on uh, the show notes for you to see. But uh, Peter beat Buttigieg came out second um, yeah. with 24.4% of the votes. And he also gained nine delegates. Um, a lot of talk in the political world is, do they both have the right to say I'm a front runner in this race? How do you yeah. feel about that, Lex? <laughs> Girl, this whole primary season right now is really perplexing to me. There are so many different moving parts. Um, I want to go back to one of the points that you said earlier, though, which is really important to uplift, is we do have a very crowded race. Um, We started off this race with, like, 15 candidates or something ridiculous, and now we're down to eight known candidates. Like you said, there are still others. Um, There were three candidates who actually ended up ending their campaign so yang gang (laughs) he um (laughs) actually ended his campaign after the iowa caucus where he wasn't even pulling over five percent so i think that this is a really critical time for the democratic party to really hone in on the message and the values that we want to push forward so that voters can align themselves with the candidate i think that's really important to build momentum right now as far as these front runners, child, I am still stressed. I think that it's very indicative of just the two worlds that are within the Democratic Party right now, which I'm going to talk about yeah. later. But really this very like progressive, you know, um, more um, in some ways radical wing of uh, the Democratic Party, which is obviously represented by Bernie Sanders. And then we have the more liberal, the more moderate, which is Pete Buttigieg. And I honestly didn't mm-hmm. even think that he was going to uh, gain so much momentum. So this is really interesting me to me. Um, and then out of nowhere, Amy Klobuchar, like <laughs> she secured like 19.8% of the, like I am... I'm in awe. I don't, I I absolutely didn't see that coming either. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to her campaign team because the only way that I can see that happening is if she had a really good ground game. So if mm. you're not in the campaign world, ground game means like, how are you organizing in communities? Um, Are you talking to the right people? And actually scratch that, not the right people. Are you talking to people and making them feel as though you are a viable candidate? That's mm. what I want to say. Yes, um, I agree. Another thing that um, I noticed that was really weird, you know people are still voting for people who dropped out of the race? Girl, Did you see that? Yes, people were voting for Kamala and um, people that weren't even viable candidates in the Iowa caucus. I was very confused, like very confused. Yeah, like not- and I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I still personally was on the fence about Kamala. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but I did feel a way when she dropped out of the race. But my thing is, those are 104 votes that could have went towards someone being, having delegates. And we need to do a show on Electoral College so people can understand why they're, why it's so important to understand. Um, Presidential when you when the when presidential presidential candidates go through primaries, they're going to win delegates. 
And that's going to overall give them the electoral college vote that they need to be president. I don't really quite agree with that process, Mm -hmm. um, but there's a popular vote. So that's majority, whoever gets the majority of the vote. And then there's electoral college vote. And delegates are very important. See, like people who voted for Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, Marianne Williamson, that very easily could have contributed someone getting more delegates that could be our next president. Yeah, and I think it also speaks to um, some of the scramble of the campaigns to try to branch their message, branch their message out, because it's like once a campaign, um, once a candidate ends their campaign, that means that they are open to a whole pool of voters that can now be swayed to another candidate. And so I think that some yeah. of the concern about Bernie is that, um, and and really Pete Buttigieg as well, is just how how appealing can he be to those who are not already, you know, believing their philosophies, believing in their That's ideals? True. Can they appeal to other voters who might be more moderate, who might be more uh, liberal? Um, it really right. just depends. It's the whole thing about electability, electability, you're going to hear that, and girl, until forever. <laughs> What's your definition of electability, Lex? Uh, my definition I feel like a lot of, of elect- people use it. Yeah, I mean, so I think my definition of electability would be different than society's definition of electability. I think electability Mm. to me is really a candidate who can appeal to um, the heart of the citizens, like the values and the things that we stand for, the mission. It's really a candidate who can bring equity and fairness to our nation. I think electability in the general sense of society I'm going to just be really clear is like who can sway the fate of moderate white people who is going to be able to appeal Mm. to these globs of voters who are not necessarily feeling the radical wing we don't want to put someone up there who's too radical we don't want to put someone up there who's going to step on people's toes and I think that that really is uh an antiquated argument, and uh, and it doesn't yeah. always work for women, minority, you know, marginalized groups. I mean, take the two front runners right now; they're two white men, and right now yeah. they're <laughs> they're being seen as the most electable. Who can beat Trump? Um, yeah, and that's just interesting. It's interesting to me. So it's gonna be yeah. a wild time. The next primary is Nevada. Yep. Las Vegas. I have a friend out in Nevada, and actually, I'm going to make sure he listens to them. But he says that us East Coast people, we say it wrong. We say Nevada. I don't even know how to say it because that's actually. Wait, what's, the, what's the correct <laughs> way to say it? Nevada Walk? Like, what is it? <laughs> I don't know because I guess I've been saying it wrong all my life. <laughs> <laughs> y'all and y'all dialects, man. We don't know. Like, you know what we talk about. We don't know. <laughs> Girl, okay, that's enough of that, that. But stay tuned more for more primaries. Um, I think it would be good to break down the Electoral College, though, at some point, and the census. And y'all, there's hey, just so much. Those are going. two show episodes, right <laughs> they there. They really are. no, they really are. Like all of this stuff is connected. And okay, I know that there are people who are busy and have other things to do, but we got to talk about this, y'all, because it ultimately affects your life. Like. You might not care about politics. Listen to us while you're washing the dishes. (laughs) And then you'll learn about Electoral College. We got you. 
Yes, exactly. That is what this <laughs> episode is all about. But, well, really, this show, rather. <sighs> okay. <laughs> you know that I always just am so frustrated talking about this, man. Um, they're next on the State of the Union is Donald Trump's proposed budget that um, could quite could cause quite a stir in Congress. Uh, <laughs> talking about money is just very stressful, DeAndrea, because while I feel as though we need to get money out of politics, I still understand that living under capitalism, we need money to do things. And so when we talk about budgets and people who are over budgets, and financial financial mm-hmm. management in general, I just be stressed. Like I am really, I am really not about it. But yes, yeah, so this upcoming Monday, February, what is that? Seventeenth, eighteenth, the seventeenth. Mm-hmm. Trump will be proposing his new budget to Congress. Uh, this budget is a four point eight nine trillion plan. That, according to USA Today, would cut the education department's budget by $5.6 billion, eking out savings by ending some grants, freezing the maximum amount of others, and shifting some payments from the government to borrowers. Mm-hmm. So, about this proposal, mm-hmm. a little bit of the process. Every yeah. year... Um, just to put you up on game, every year the president presents a budget to Congress and they then have to, and that's typically, actually, I think he might be on time this year. Um, it's <laughs> around February, March. Cause yeah, they're, they're usually every president is late bringing their budget. Um, mm. even president Obama was late. He was only on time once, one year in his entire tenure. Um, wow. but anyways, we're not talking about him. We're talking about this guy. That over rich, there. That, I said that everything. Like, that guy over there. That okay. guy over there. Okay. He's over there. And I'm over here. <laughs> He's going to present this proposal to Congress. And I can tell you right now, it's not going to pass. Mm-mm. Luckily, um, we have some sim- sensible people who are in the House that... Um, that held Trump to the fire last year with his crazy budget um, and made sure that... Uh, Social items such as education and social security were not touched as bad as this, needless Mm -hmm. to say. Um, For those who don't know, the budget is uh, broken up into discretionary funds and non-discretionary funds. And what that means is discretionary funding does include defense. But Hmm. the idea is non-discretionary funding are things that the state has to pay for, such as our Hmm. debt. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't understand that, you know, the United States is in debt. Um, so Hella debt. Uh, yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> it is. And I think that it's something we're talking about. I mean, there. I know I saw a lot of people posting about the loan forgiveness program and what would that mean if the budget were to pass? And, you know, will I still be able to get money or help? Because, you know, you have millennials and people going to college, going to these higher degrees like law and med school and you know but not necessarily wanting to work for some of these more corporate uh places 
And they're like, yeah, I'm going to just, you know, pay my debts for 10 years. And then hopefully the government will alleviate me of this burden. But it's these crazy proposals that, you know, kind of threaten that. Like you said, luckily they don't pass and there are people who can put a stop to them. But the the audacity to cut funding for teachers, right? <laughs> like that's just, that is wild mm-hmm. to me. That doesn't make any sense at all yeah um yeah but one thing i wanted to add on to what you said maybe one of our presidential hopefuls whoever wins will handle that student loan (laughs) girl i really honey (laughs) it's not okay i done made it past 100 and I'm not talking about dollars. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> not proud of it. I can laugh about it now. If you asked me about three months ago, I probably would start crying. No, that's very real. That's very real. And I mean, I think that that is also going back to just what we were talking about before. I mean, I think that's something that voters are concerned about, right? Like you have a high right. percentage of people who did go to college, who did incur this debt. And mm-hmm. it's, it's devastating. You have people who can't even like get jobs or the jobs that they do have, their salary means nothing because you're paying these super high, you know, range of debt back. And it's just like, okay, well, what right. did I even make? <laughs> if I make $40,000, but my debt basically accumulates to half my paycheck every week, it's, yep. you're robbing me. And basically. then you're, you're somewhat in a good job, but you're living in poverty. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. That should not how be that how our world work, but thanks to capitalism, that is how it works. Girl, capitalism. (laughs) It is the theme for today. We are really gonna get into it, y'all. This tea is about to be. But that's so real. Um and it's unfortunate, really. I I really hope that we can figure out a plan to alleviate debt because it's out of control. It is definitely out of control. Wow. All right. Well, anything else in the in the political atmosphere that needs to be talked about? Um, nothing that I can think of right now. We'll have an update on what happens in the primary and also updates of what happens to Trump's budget proposal. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the House ain't going to let that slide. So um, <laughs> we'll give you an update on what they do to fix the budget. Thank you to the people we elected in House. Not all of them now. Right. It's a selected selected thank you. It's a selected thank you. I just want to make sure we made that clear. (laughs) Because if uh, Miss Fox from North Carolina say, oh, thank you so much, DeAndre, for shouting me out, I'm be like, honey, that was not for you. (laughs) (laughs) She need to go ahead and come back home, too. She'll need that office. Anyways, I'm done. (laughs) You sure you're done? (laughs) I'm done. Tell her to add me. Just kidding. Ninja <laughs> getting real buck on this episode, y'all. I'm not even mad, though. We got to come with the buyer for some of these politicians to hold them accountable because ain't nobody got time. Okay. Speaking of accountability, this is just one thing that I wanted to bring up. And I don't know all the facts about it. I'm, I'm trying to look them up as we talk right now. But honestly, one day we might even need to do a dedicated show on this. But I just want to say that the aftermath of this impeachment trial has been 
pure trash. There are so many people who have who basically were witnesses or testified that have basically faced retribution from this president because they basically did their job. And this whole thing with Roger Stone and, you know, the attorney general and just the influence that this president has over certain departments, I think, is something that we really need to be paying attention to. Like these departments work in tandem with the president, but they shouldn't be controlled by the president. And so when you have people in charge who are hiring their friends and putting them in these positions and they're basically just being their puppets we really have a problem Bessie DeVos excuse me okay and that's why we have (laughs) she gotta go okay like she just gotta go I cannot No, she really she's the main reason why we've seen so much privatization in uh, public schools currently. Now, don't get me wrong; it was going on before she got there, but not at this rate. No, exactly. And I mean, quite frankly, she wasn't qualified to do the job in the first place. No. And I think that right. is the problem that we're seeing: is that why are all of these people being put in these positions if they're not qualified to do the job? Because they're friends with Trump. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. that, or big donors of Trump. Back to money and politics. Mm. It's a cyclical cycle. So in that, okay, can we can we go ahead and do this segue into democracy? Because I <laughs> I have a f- let's get into it. Go I ahead, feel yes. it in my spirit. Yes, sis. Let's feel go. it in my let's spirit. Just, it's coming. Talking about <laughs> buying power, mm. buying influence in policy and politics. So. Y'all, some people are not going to like what I got to say. Girl, this is going to be the most hated tea ever because I'm about to hurt some feelings. So just do what you need to do because I'm here and I'm ready. Go ahead. I am not here for the Bloomberg train. Nope. And what I mean by the Bloomberg train is I talked to one of my um, trusted uh, mentors and she was telling me how, oh, you know, I'm actually supporting Bloomberg for president. Oh and, you know, God. I, okay, okay. And you know what? It's okay. We've had healthy debate. We don't always see eye to eye on everything, which is totally fine. I, I think you shouldn't, you shouldn't hang around people who always agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, we're talking about it. And I was like, you know what? I trust you and I know you wouldn't steer me astray. Mm-hmm. I'll look him up. Mm-mm. I could not get past <laughs> the fact that this man feels as though I can come into a race late. Late. <laughs> I can buy this election. I can basically utilize my resources, my wealth to build, quote unquote, good relationships across the nation and Make sure people feel as though all those other candidates, they're not going to be president. They're, they can't beat Trump, but I can. And the dangerous thing about that is when did we start becoming on the street for sale? Like, I just, mm. I'm not for sale. You can't buy my vote like that. You can. Where have you been? That's a that's a question that needs an answer. 
No, that's real, Deandra. Honestly, it's a very stressful situation because I think when some of these candidates start to position themselves in these ways to run for president, run for office, unfortunately, we all get amnesia and we forget what people have done. Michael Rubens, Bloomberg, was the former Republican mayor in New York City in 2002 and earned Mm -hmm. and under his tenure, he escalated the policy of stop and frisk, which was basically racial profiling of black and brown men because of the way that he felt about the criminal system. And basically that was predicated off of racism, right? Like these black and brown boys obviously are criminals and we just need to keep presence in their community until they do something wrong. And stop and frisk has the implications of that is still affecting New York City. And this man Mm. escalated this policy. And so now he wants to switch gears and use his money and his influence to not only buy his race, but buy other people's support. He definitely donated to Fight Fair, the super PAC that Stacey Abrams started to, Mm -hmm. you know, help make sure that there are more elections, fair elections based on what happened to her. Exactly. And like, I love sis, honestly, like, I think the best thing that she could have done in that situation is take that man's money and not say nothing because she definitely has not put on for this man. But I really need people to understand that, like, he is trying to buy his way through this election, through his own election, through support. And we just, yeah. black people specifically, we cannot fall for the okie doke. Like, this man is no, right. he, is, he is up to no good. He is up to right. no now, good. Because you said that, it actually made me think of, um, I have organizer friends that are working for him. And I actually, I have congratulated them as far as, you know, like, I think that's dope. They're working and they have high positions on a presidential campaign. I think that that's amazing. I personally am not supporting him, though. You know, my thing is, where have you been? It's almost as if this is your estranged parent that you haven't seen in the last 21 years. And they're like, hey, let me buy your love. Let me buy your support. Let me buy my way into your life to be in one of the highest offices of the free world. I ain't for it. Mm-mm. Yeah. And like the caveat to that, though, is after they abused you. Right. Like it's not just him <laughs> having money and buying his way into office. He also wants to buy your memory. Stop mm. and frisk was a very detrimental policy to black and brown communities all over, but especially in New mm. York. And I just can't do that as a firm progressive, as somebody who wants to see a just world. There is not I can't I can't consciously vote for a man who has racist ideology about my people. Like that's not it's not something that I can do. So I definitely, you know, want people to make make their own decisions, but just make sure they're informed decisions, y'all. Don't let money buy your soul. Okay? Right. Because it's not it's not gonna be the best at the end of the day. Like you're you're gonna feel that you're going to feel those ramifications. Yeah, it just makes me feel strange that he just comes out out of the deep blue sea, honey, and <laughs> was like, oh, I'm going to be president. There, That is laced with privilege 
that only a white man can have. Okay. And it's also, <laughs> that's real. I mean, I definitely feel that. It's also setting a precedent. It's like, for those who want to get Trump off out of office, and we should all want to get Trump out of office, this man... Came into that. Okay. But that man is a billionaire. So is this man. We need to get right. money out of politics. It does no good to have two billionaires running against each other. That's not it. Like, that's really not. Unless y'all want to pay off my student loans. Yeah. And they don't. <laughs> Let me stop. <laughs> Did not just say we're not trying to get sold. <laughs> we're trying to get free. <laughs> okay? We're trying to get okay. free. And in a place that's free, there's not even student loans. There's not even capitalism. Wow. Ooh. Now, that's really the tea. And that's really a great segue into my tea. Because. Okay. Unfortunately, y'all, we got to talk about this. And, like, I might hurt some feelings tonight. That's okay. I just want everybody to understand that anything I say on the show is out of love. And it's really to make us all better people. But we got to sit down. We got to sit down and talk about this. So, y'all, my tea. We have to talk about the fundamental difference between a progressive and a liberal. Teach them. Okay. I know that there have been a lot of things going around in the universe about this new progressive wave and there's just this new energy for Warren and Bernie and this radical listen y'all some of these policies while they may be very left they're not radical they're really honestly just more inclusive and when we talk about the difference between a progressive and a liberal I really liken it to my ideology about freedom and liberation you have those who want to reform They want to work within the system. They want to fix it, patch it up. And then you have those that want to abolish. And that would be the progressive. Those that understand that this system was never meant to work Mm. for us in the first place. And while we understand the real life implications of not participating in the system, right? I would never say, let's just throw it away and not do what we can for the marginalized. Your end goal has to be that this is no more. And a lot of times Mm. that falls within the lens of capitalism. There are a lot of liberals, moderates, who are fundamental diehard capitalists. Y'all, I want you to understand that capitalism isn't going to get us free. No, it's not. It's not. It is absolutely a thousand percent meant to keep people down. That's really the way that it works. You have those that win and those that lose. But that's the way that capitalism runs if you don't have losers you will never have winners and unfortunately the way that this country is set up the marginalized the black people the brown communities queer communities the intersections the women of all of those are always traditionally the losers and so yeah unfortunately we really are going to have to take a look at the way in which we are thinking about these issues and not be so sensitive about challenging our conditioning, which from the beginning has been capitalism is great. I mean, I don't think I've even heard about another economic system. And, you know, if you go back to history and the whole Red Scare and communism and what is that, y'all, we have to we have to unlearn. We have to unlearn. If you are a staunch progressive You really need to start thinking about the ways in which you can create a world outside of capitalism and start thinking about ways that you can lessen the effect of capitalism on the current society. That is the only way that we're going to get free. That is the only way that we're going to get free. Preach, preacher. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, 
it's rough. I'm laughing, but I'm being dead serious. Like, you can't call yourself a progressive and be a capitalist. I'm sorry. Even if you're a black capitalist, I'm all for black businesses. Support them. Love them, especially in this system. Like, we still are in capitalism, but, like, that's not going to get us free either, y'all. Like, right. we can't be at, we can't want to be at the top of a system that ultimately oppresses us. We have to do something different. We have to do something new. And, you know, I'm not the biggest Bernard fan for a lot of different reasons, but <laughs> Bernard. Okay. And I'm gonna call him Bernard forever because that's his name. Bernard Sanders, whatever. <laughs> but mm-hmm. some of his policies make sense and they really are speaking to the general just inequity that right you know capitalism creates so i'm gonna I'm a post a link about that too because i think we need to start being more conscious of that and and words mm-hmm. mean things like crystal says words mean things they really do like you're either a liberal or a progressive whichever one you fall into like just stand in that but know that they represent two different ideologies right like the more that we lean into that the better i think our solutions will be so, Thank you for that, sis. You're welcome. I'm sorry to the liberals. I'm definitely a progressive to the day that I die. But and I feel like people use them interchangeably. They do. Because they don't know. Yes, 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 ma'am. Yes, they do. Sound on. And so if you can hear me through your airwaves right now, I need you the next time that somebody uses them interchangeably to remember this tea. Remember Alexis getting upset, speaking passionately. And just run down the points because it's important. Like that framework is very important, especially as we go into this election. You can see already how the two ideologies have really like made themselves clear. Like, like, right. I, like I said, Bernie is whatever, leading the revolution, girl, okay. But he's on the left, left. And then you have, you know, the moderates, the Kobajars, the Buddha judge, like though they're they're very right. They're very liberal. Biden. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, Lord. <laughs> we didn't even talk about Biden. <laughs> you know what? No, you just pointed out something that is so important right now. We didn't even talk about Biden. Amen. Like, amen. So, so let me tell you why that is so important. Biden, he started off when the race, you know, when the race first started. Oh, I'm not running for president. What? I'm not doing that, which was strategic for him to Mm. enter at the right time. And so he enters the race. Everyone is like, oh, why do we need to have these debates? He's going to be the the nominee. He's the establishment nominee. And I Mm. think we need to make that clear. And so now I will say his opponents have even surprised me that he's just not coming with it. No, and that's not. just my opinion. But he's not, he hasn't been coming with it. Cause like we've talked about Pete Buttigieg, which I would have never imagined in a million years, <laughs> more than Biden on this very episode. Um, that's interesting. I just wanted to point that out. No, that's real. And honestly, like your opinion isn't far from the facts. I mean, Biden has been very, has been performing very poorly in both of these caucuses. His, debate performances have also not really been up to par right he's really not he's really losing steam and i think the unfortunate thing is that some of the establishment is looking to 
Bloomberg to take up the mantle. And that's a really, you know, that's an interesting analysis. Maybe that's the reason why he felt as though I can just come into this race. Because mm-hmm. electability. I don't care how long I've been here. I'm going to just show up and I'm going to do what I can to win. But I don't, I don't know. I'm going to be honest Girl, with you. Y'all can fast forward to this episode after results. I don't think like he's he going to win. He was not there. Like he was not there. He did not campaign in either Iowa or New Hampshire. He said, whatever, we're going to go into Super Tuesday. I'm going to take the delegates there, and that's all we're going to do. And his electability is right under Pete Buttigieg. It's Sanders, Buttigieg, and then Bloomberg, which is wild. Wow. Like, and what's in common with all three of them, which is why electability is a myth. It's a joke because <laughs> what makes all of them electable? Tell me. One day, <laughs> black women are going to rule the world. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? Let me, let, me, let me say this, too. Everybody remember that uh, scene in The Color Purple <laughs> when Miss <laughs> Seeley took her three fingers and she said, Until you do right by me, everything you think about is going to crumble. Don't do it, Miss Seeley. So let me tell you why that, is, why that resonates to this moment. I told people Biden would never run for president because of the way he did Anita Hill. Mm. 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 Okay, we am- look. <laughs> look, Boy. look, sis. Until you do right by black women, <laughs> and that's for any and everybody. No, I don't period. have anything personal against Biden, but until I think that that's just that's what I live by. No, that's real, and I do because of Anita Hill. Like, yeah, girl, he signed on to this crime bill. Uh, segregation, busing, all of those are bad too. But when you silence the voices of black women, absolutely not. And let me just bring this up. This isn't isn't Mm -hmm. necessarily a plug, but I think it's also interesting the way that Elizabeth Warren has been performing in these last conferences. I expected her to be doing so much better. Girl, I did too, especially some of these states as her neighboring states. Like I thought that she was really going to poll a lot higher but i will say this iowa and new hampshire are both some of the first primaries but they are very close in population i.e very white and what i do know Mm. about my friends and supporters is there are a lot of women of color specifically black women who are really riding for warren and i think that hey liz hey liz girl because (laughs) talk to me as a voter, as a constituent, as a person right. who pushes through elections and has a 99% voting block, okay, that's black women, if you didn't know, whatever. I think the reason why she feels so encouraged to keep going in this race is because she knows that these two states are not representative of right. the Democratic Party, but more importantly, her fan base, her constituents. Like, we haven't even gotten to places where black people really frequent for real, for real. Where women of color are just, fl- not even flourishing, but, like, in mass population. So, right. I think come, that... Come down past the Mason-Dixon line, okay? Please, period, okay? Meet me in Atlanta. Let me okay, stop. Okay, come to Detroit. <laughs> go to Raleigh, go to Dirt. Like, come to the places where... It is diverse. There are voters that come from many different walks of life. I think that it is important to pay attention to, you know, winners and whatever primary because you want to stay abreast. But also the caveat is 
they're not as rep- representative of the whole party. And so we need to keep that in mind, that these white men yeah. polling high with white men and white women <laughs> is not uncommon, you know, because Buttigieg, he polling 0.2 or something in Indiana. Like, and that's his home, that's yo. Like, like, how does that even work? How does that even work? I don't understand. Amy, too. Klobuchar? I mean, she's, mm-hmm. she's, girl, actually, let me just, I was reading this article, oh, Lord, and she did this interview, apparently, where she was talking about, like, her comeback is called, like, Clomentum, like, Klobuchar <laughs> and Momentum together. That ain't got nothing to do, that's just corny. If I was <laughs> her, I would, whoever interned that would have told me to say that, I would have just given them the side eye. That's what I'm saying, because why? Like, what is that? <laughs> Why? Why? What did you just say to like, me? I know you're trying to be cute, but sis, that was not cute. I don't. <laughs> just, just take your wins, take your stuff, and go. Like, just cool, you know, right. cool. But also, right. we don't need to do that. <laughs> we do not need to do that. That was whack. Anyway, so yeah, um, much to discuss. I'm looking forward to Super Tuesday. Um. And for those who don't know, that's where a lot of the states, battleground states, hold their primary. And so yeah, their primary I, election. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really big day. I think it's on March 3rd. Well, it's March 3rd in North Carolina for mm-hmm. our primary. But I think I don't know if we're part of Super Tuesday. Participating states, Alabama, Arkansas, Colorado, Georgia, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Oklahoma, Tennessee, What's the date? Texas. It says March 3rd. Oh, okay. Well, then we are part of Super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Give me to March 3rd, Lord. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. Super Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. When the greatest number of U.S. states hold primary elections. So, yeah, that's what... Most presidential candidates are looking forward to. They're looking to campaigning in those states, winning mm-hmm. those seats. That's honestly what we really should be paying attention to. That's really going to be the determination of who can really pull on top. Because, you know, you got okay. California, which is basically like the liberal oasis. And you got Texas, which traditionally leans very to the right. So, right. But I'm, two things about those states, though. They have the most delegates. Exactly. So, this is a precursor. We're gonna, we're gonna, we promise that we're gonna give you a show completely about the ins and outs of electoral college because it's very antiquated. It's very confusing. It really but is, if you can win Texas and California, you win there. Really good for you, right? You in okay. there like swimwear, okay? And that's okay. Something that's something. Child, so, the stress. Yeah. And also, can I plug another thing um, before we get off? Mm-hmm. I want to plug, y'all, this election is not just about president. We need to be mm-hmm. looking at all of the offices down the ballot. Yeah. Um, these uh, Congress members are up for re-election um, during this race. And you should look to see what your sta- who's your state senator, um, U.S. senator, and your state... Um, your state U.S. senators and your state House House folks who are in Congress, mm-hmm. and you know read about them. 
I know, particularly in North Carolina, we have a few black women running for Congress, and uh, uh, I am here uh, for uh, it, honey, okay? Uh, yes! <laughs> One of them world. from our alma mater. Can I get oh. a geek pride? <laughs> a geek pride? I just did that because you said it, but... Whatever. It's kind of programmed in your system, like after freshman year. So you kind of had <laughs> Isn't to. Isn't it so. Aggies do though? You know what I'm saying? Because like we're. I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I was cracking up, y'all. One day we're just gonna do like a social issue episode where we don't do no like <laughs> like elections that. Well, we gonna do the state of the union always, but like one day we're gonna do a social episode about HBCUs and the whitewashing of them and how money. Makes us complicit in that too because capitalism is just so wild, like y'all. But no, exactly. Aggie pride to the day we die. I'm not. I'm not with the Aggies do train either. That's not. That's not it. Love y'all. Achieving great goals and everything, producing renowned individuals dedicated to excellence. Okay, and if you didn't know, now you know. That is what Aggie pride is. Y'all, I'm mad that she broke the other (laughs) acronym. I'm so dead. We gotta cut it out. This is we cut. Okay, I'm getting sleepy. I think that's what it is. You know, I get silly when I'm sleepy, girl. (laughs) That's real. But that's no, that's real. Um, Girl, it's a thing. It's a life. It's a it's a vibe, really. Yeah. Well, I think that we've cut up enough for today. Anything else that you wanna? Plug for the fans. Wow. That's a good little show, Andrew. Uh, well, if you are in North Carolina, early voting started today. Mm. Uh, early voting will go until February 29th. And particularly in North Carolina, we have one-stop early voting. You are able to register and vote at the same time, okay? Wow. And so... If you move, particularly probably for the people mostly who listen to our show, you're probably moving like every year like me <laughs> because <laughs> team don't have a house because student loans are over $100,000. Anyways, um, and yeah, so make sure you make sure your re- registration is up to date. Um, if you haven't already registered, go vote and you can register at the same time. Cool. Yep. Yeah, uh... I'm going to get better about plugging stuff for Detroit. But Michigan, just to DeAndrea's note, just we also need to pay attention to our local elections as well. I know that yeah. um, prosecutors are coming up as well. So we need to like be plugging into that because they really dictate the criminal justice system. So one day we will break down just all the facets of government because I think that's something that needs to happen as well. It's just too much to keep track of and people yeah. people don't know. And like, don't feel bad that you probably don't quite understand. It's very confusing. No, it's very And I confusing. blame I blame your public your state education system because I want to say Lex, I noticed when maybe when we first went off to college, mm-hmm. that's when most states started cutting their civics classes mm. or watering them down. So, they don't want you to know these things. No, they but don't. It's okay. They don't. And education got has you. been complicit in keeping us very ignorant and very just in the dark about a lot of these issues which is why i think that anyway it's twofold all right we need to be better but also the government needs to give us the tools to be better because ain't nobody got time for that right yeah so cool hope that everybody has 
a happy Valentine's Day because that's when actually this will drop. So, mm-hmm. Valentine's Day, anyways. Okay, no, we have to go. Deandra, have a love for you. Okay, no. Have a love for democracy. Have a love for your people. Girl. I love my my sisters and my brothers. (laughs) Okay, no. She asked me. We have to go, y'all. I'm sleepy, y'all. I cannot contain my laughter. Okay, okay, okay. Thanks, friends. We'll talk to you next week.